Well, as we continue in worship this morning and we continue to kind of look at spiritual warfare, you know, realizing there is a battle among us with us, we'll, you know, we've been doing our devotions every week. You may think I've just gotten stuck uh, on Saturday of every week because it, it hasn't changed in the five, six weeks since we started it. And uh, I'll just let you know that's intentional, you know, because I want us to be reminded of that passage in Ephesians, and I'm going to preach on that passage uh, next week, so Barb, write it down. I'm actually going to preach on the passage that's there on Saturday uh, with that, uh, you know, and Shannon, write it down. I even already have a sermon title for it. So uh, pray for Shannon. She may have a heart attack, because uh, that normally does not happen uh, this early in the week. But we need to be reminded that this battle, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We must be reminded that though we are in a battle, and we are in a battle, it is not against other people necessarily like you and me. We can easily miss that and think we're just fighting against people. But we are not. There's a different kind of struggle. Yes, sometimes evil is personified. We read in Scripture that Jesus came against those who were demon-possessed. Evil personified really right in front of him, but he never was dealing with the person, but always the spirit behind the person. He treated everyone with love and compassion. He was he, he could be hard. He wasn't just always this gentle Jesus. In fact, in your devotions this week, uh, you know, we're we're gonna be looking at John 8, and Ron has been trying to teach us on Wednesday mornings about John 8 for about four or five weeks, I think, right, Ron? At least, you know, we're a hard group on Wednesday morning. He can't really go as far as he wants, as quick as he wants, you know. Uh, but, but as we talk, and Jesus, could, he, he, he wasn't just always nice and gentle. He said some things that brought people the wrong way, and he knew what he was doing with that. But Jesus had compassion on those who needed compassion. The suffering. The oppressed, the uh, the ones among us that didn't know the truths of Scripture, he was hardest on those that would rather be very similar to you and me. Those of us who knew the Scriptures or thought they knew the Scriptures, because in this battle that we are, it is a battle for the mind. How we think determines how we act. And the second is true as well. How we act determines how we think. It's a both and. But how do you think? As I picked up, uh, one of the things I try to do every week is some kind of development. And so uh, I, I have uh, webinars I can be on every week, and I try to take advantage of them. Sometimes it's after the fact that I'm currently working on a, you know, a, a course that I'm trying to get through. Uh, with things, and maybe one of these months or weeks I will block off probably the 20 hours I need to do that course, 
with links as I try to figure out some things. But it, one of the things I do consistently every month is, is I meet with an individual to make sure that my thinking is correct or as correct as can be and that my behavior matches my thinking. Normally an hour and a half at a time, a way that I try to ensure that I am not going down any path that isn't helpful for myself, for you all, though it's not necessarily just church. That's why I gather with people like Norm Flint and others. You know, the question can be asked, what does the denomination do for a church like us? One of the main things is I have an open door policy to some extent with Mark Cliff, where he can speak into my life, and I'll be on many hours with him to speak to the meetings, to, to be developed and hopefully a better pastor than what I was when I started. The battle that we wage is a battle for your mind and my mind. How we view others. In fact, in our text this morning in 1 John, Chapter 4, if you'll open it up in your Bibles or on your tablets or phone or computer screen, those of you who are watching us at home, wherever you read your scriptures, we see here that, that to some extent uh, that, that is true. In verse 5, Luke talks about the, the struggle. They are from, a, from the world and therefore they speak from the viewpoint of the world. But we, he would go on to say, are from God. So therefore we ought to speak from the viewpoint of God. How we think about God in ourselves will determine how we live out our faith. Do we really believe, as we saw, that everyone needs compassion? That everyone deserves forgiveness? Do you believe that you deserve compassion? You deserve forgiveness. How we think about that will be the way that we act out. And as he starts this, you know, uh, I want us to know this truth as the battle for the mind. Not that I hope you miss anything else that comes after this, but I hope you hear this well. You are loved. In, in some translations uh, that the First verse of chapter 4 says, Dear friends, but I think that misses the point in our, you know, I think it conveyed something then, but we can think of friends and we can just think of people that we have contact with. Because, Jordan, how many friends do you have? A lot? Maybe? No? Some? One? I'm your friend! Wait a minute, I'm not your friend? Ouch! That's alright. Friends. We can use acquaintances to be friends, but what John is saying here is you are beloved. You are loved. He loved them deeply. What he is saying, and he says this again and again. You know, dear friends and friends, dear children, beloved, beloved, beloved. He has a deep and invested interest in what they are going through, on who they are. See, this is the power of a local church. I realize that even though we do 
uh, online, and I'm grateful for that, and I, and I think that is a good thing. I think that is viable. The, the, the thing is, though, is we've got to realize that uh, you've got to be connected to a local body of people where you have somebody and some people who have an invested interest in you. That they can know you by name. There are great pastors and preachers out there. And, and one of the things that can be very tempting in our day and age is to just latch on to one of them and let them, quote-unquote, be your pastor. I think of uh, David Jeremiah as one of those that would be tremendous. And I would encourage you to, uh, you know, listen to some of this stuff. But the difference between uh, uh, Dr. David Jeremiah and myself is I will at least know you by name. I, I won't know as much as he will know. I will not preach like he can preach. I will not be at the caliber that he can, but I can guarantee you I can know you by name. And I realize that for some of you that gets us both in trouble because I see you and I just call you by name. Right, Gordon? Uh-huh. And you love it. Not right, not really. You know, that's the beauty and uniqueness of this. And those of you watching this online, that's why I have something here. I can see when you're here. And you can be known by name. And he's going to say, because you are beloved. He loves them, but we know, as he goes on to say later in the chapter, we love one another because God first loved us. You are loved, not just by others, but you are loved by the Creator God of this universe. Every single one of us. I could challenge us, and I think I'll get there again later. And you know what? I think I want to challenge us to realize that, you know, in order to truly be loved, we must be known. Are you willing to let someone know you? I, I realize there's a segment of you that won't get this TV show. I didn't watch much, but I, I know about it. It's the old sitcom Cheers. You know, those of you of a certain age and above, you, you are, you're already shaking your heads. No, you don't know about this one. All right, Daniel, you don't know about this. All right? But it's us with you. And the tagline there was, where everyone knows your name, and what else? Always glad you came. What, what was that, Noah? Go ahead, tell us. And what was your response, Dan? Uh, 
pretty uh, easy. I mean, I know when Sterling's not here, you know, because Sterling sits right there, you know, and really, that's how I keep track of y'all. All right, now go ahead and mix it up. I'm okay with that. But I can go around and I start going back and through. Who hasn't been there? You get about three Sundays in a row they've gone before I'm trying to figure out. Joyce Bullen almost got herself in trouble the other week because she was gone three Sundays almost in a row. Now, granted, I see her about five days a week besides Sunday. But I knew where she was and the trouble she was getting into. You know, and the, and the room she was around. You know, and, and I do, and those of you online, actually, I keep track of when you've been here or not. Why? Because I want you to know that I know who you are. So that you can't go, I wonder if anyone really knows you. And that's one way. But there's a deeper way that we're not really good at, and that is letting people know you beyond just your name. Your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your failures. What, what is your favorite type of pizza? And why do you believe strawberry ice cream is the best ice cream there is? And there's, and there's debate over there, but Calvin doesn't always know what he's talking about, you know. Whatever ice cream they promise, as long as it's big, it's okay. And that's what the goal of the church is. That's why John and all the writers, they didn't just write to churches they didn't know. They had a vested interest in them. And he says, Beloved, because you are loved, I tell you this, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Our task is to carefully, in this battle, examine all things. All things. There is a passage in Acts, the, the church in Berea, where uh, Paul would preach to them, and then they would search the scriptures, the Old Testament, to ensure what he was saying was matching up with scripture. And Paul did not go, how dare you? How dare you double-check what I'm saying? Instead, he, he encouraged them, and it was there But they were known as Christians. Carefully examine all things. Why? Because there's a battle going on all around us. He talks about false prophets, spirit of the Antichrist. And you can easy, easily, as modern Christians, you hear those things and you probably go to the end times of some day. But what John is saying is it is going on right there among this group as well as it is today. Matthew chapter 7 talks about people who healed in Jesus' name, who prophesied in Jesus' name, but in the last days Jesus will say, I didn't know you. It's not so much about what they knew, but as much does Jesus know them. It's not about how much we know, but does Jesus know us as well. There's a battle going on around us. There are many things. Oops. There are many things that may sound Christian that are not Christian. There may be even some things that don't sound very Christian that if we would sit and carefully exam examine them, we would see that there is some good among us. Maybe not the whole thing. 
But there are some things that we must examine all things. But if we're going to examine, don't we need to know what we're going to measure it to, right? You know, if, if I want to know uh, what I'm doing, I've got to have a standard of some sort to say, I'm going to compare it to this. You know, Daniel does a, a picture of me. You're going to draw a picture of me, Daniel? I mean, picture, that one picture of me was really <laughs> He's talking about the one picture he made of himself that was awful. And that's why I could do a stick figure of We would have to measure it to how well does it look like me. Here's the standard that John is talking about. This is how you can recognize whether the spirit is of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. The standard is the life and teachings of Jesus. Now, John is talking, I think, to some extent about a specific issue of his day where there was a group of people saying, well, Jesus, he was, he was absolutely God, but he was not really physically a human being. And John is saying, no, 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 no. If I was there, I not only saw the Lord, I touched the Lord. He was fully God and fully human. But I think we've got to realize that the issue isn't just whether or not one says Jesus is from God. It is also the teachings of Jesus. Because some of the battlefield of our mind is not just uh, doctrine or what we think about Jesus, but it is how we live. And the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is just some of the oldest scrolls we have in the New Testament about the way of life of first century Jews, they, they talked about uh, a way of knowing whether or not you had the Spirit of God in them. And, and there were uh, some things here. Let me just kind of read those to you. When do you have the Spirit of the world? If so, you may show up and breathe. Are you breathing? That's not from God. Why? Jesus said that's not of God. Do you have this laziness when it comes to righteousness, wickedness and lies, haughtiness and pride, falseness or deceit, cruelty or abundantly evil, ill-tempered, brazen insolence, spirit of lust when your eyes control what you do, a tongue that blasphemes, blindness of eye or dullness of ear, stiffness of neck, and you're not willing to change everything because that's just not the way we do things. That's my interpretation. <laughs> or heaviness of hearts. For if you have those things, it's the spirit of the world that is among you, not the spirit of God. Jesus made it clear it wasn't just about who you said he was, but whether or not you did what he said to do. Our standard is the life and teaching of Jesus. And Jesus made it very clear that he was fully God as well as fully human. Both. Together. In one. I still have up here the, the coin because I didn't take it in my office. You know, where we talked a couple weeks ago about testing and and temptation, the same different sides of the same coin thing. 
Jesus is like two sides of the same coin. He's fully God on one side of the heads, and he's fully human on the other. Take one of those away, and you don't have the coin. You just have a piece of metal. He's both. And we may not be able to understand that fully, but he made it clear that's who he was. In your devotions, and, and I think Ron is going to bring it on Wednesday mornings. If you can join us on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. here in person, uh, you'll, be, you'll be challenged. But he, John 8, Jesus says, Before Abraham was I am. He's claiming to be God. And, and you go, well, that may be, maybe he was just a little crazy. Oh, the Jews picked up that he was claiming to be God. That's why they wanted to stone him at that moment and others. He's saying, I and the Father, God, are one. He's fully both. And we must realize that and think about that. But as I've already said, Jesus will demand we live differently. We can't go about life as if who he is just only man who's been to it. Jesus, as well as John, says over and over again, those who love Jesus will keep his commands. Dear friends, he was a beloved in verse 7. Let us love one another. How we live matters. How we live. We can believe God is fully, fully God. We can believe Jesus is fully God and fully man. But if we treat ourselves and others like junk, it doesn't matter what we believe. It has to work its way out. So I challenge you and me, let us live differently. Let us carefully examine everything that starts to go through our heads. Or as Paul would say, that we would take every thought captive from the letter of Corinthians. Why? Because we have to have a healthy skepticism of what goes between our ears. Just because it feels right doesn't mean it is right. Just because it sounds right doesn't mean it is right. Sometimes we are too quickly to jump in. Test all things. But then have no fear. See, we can get stuck in some of this where we make no changes because we're scared of what may happen. As I have said many times, until... The fear of the unknown is, is less than the fear of the known. We will stay put. You want to make a change. You've got to let the pain of remaining the same be greater than the pain of change. Otherwise, you will stay put. Organizations will stay put and beyond. But he says here, you, dear children, you, beloved, are from God and have overcome the other spirits because the one who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The spirit of Christ is greater than any spirit or spirits of the world. I'm not going to preach on it. I'm just going to uh, generally touch 
scripture, I believe, it makes clear that when Satan fell, that he took some angels with him, at most a third. Okay, I'm not the greatest at math anymore, but I know a third means if there's one third over here, there's already two thirds on the other side. I like those odds. Two to one is a pretty good odd. But then scripture also says the worst of the worst as far as Satan and his foes have been already enchained and enslaved to be held for final judgment. According to Jude. Which means it's greater than a two to one battle. I like those odds. And that would be assuming we both were of the same power and strength. Which, as John is saying, as we learn in other places, scripture is not the case. The Spirit of Christ, who is in us, is greater than He who is in the world. It's not even a fair fight. We're not on the losing end. We can engage this war, this battle, because we can win. That would be like if Eliana, Eliana and I were going to fight. We were really going to wrestle to see who could pin the other one first. That's not a fair fight, is it? Your money's on Eliana? She made a mean and cruel at times. She fights She probably would fight dirty. She probably would fight dirty. But guess what? I'm way more than her. Probably not. At least God will probably trickle. I don't know what she weighs anymore. Don't say it because I don't want them to figure out how to drive away. <laughs> all right. But push comes to shove. All I got to do is just lay down. All right. I don't do the same things with Daniel that I used to. Why? Because he's bigger. But sometimes I still get it. Don't I, Daniel? Sometimes. It's like, ah, oh, not as much. Yeah. Why? We're becoming more equal. But if it was still two of me versus one of him, I can take it. Every single time. The spirit of Christ that is in you is greater than the spirit or the spirits or the false prophets that are in the world. This is the promise that if you are in Christ, you have the spirit of Christ in you. We don't need the power. We can do this. But you know what? I realize as uh, one of the writers I was reading this week said, if we do this, if we take everything critically, if we test all things, we can become very much cynical and a spirit of criticalness where we don't trust anybody and we feel it is our job to say, okay, uh, Barb, is what you play, is that correct? You know, I, I need to I need to test it. I need to let you know that if you play the song that wasn't correct, that's why it wasn't correct. Sooner or later, Barb ain't gonna show up, and she definitely she shows up. She will know me by name, but she ain't gonna be glad I came. Because she's gonna be sitting there going, Oh great. Are they gonna say something about it? I saw a meme uh, this week on Facebook uh, talking about pastor. That's my signal to start wrapping up. Uh, talked about uh, how pastors, we, we can spend a lot of time uh, on a message and 
and we'll talk with you. And, and sometimes it happens around here. And, and we think maybe we had a good sermon. Uh, maybe we didn't think we had a good sermon. And then someone will come up and say, Pastor, it was too cold, too hot, or too something in the sanctuary this morning. It's like, oh, man. Sometimes that happens. Right here, we try to keep things comfortable around here. But sometimes it's like, that's what you got out of it? Whether it was too hot in here, too cold in here? And we can become critical. Or we can fail to see what is really going on. What is the protection against that? <coughs> Community. I do not believe that what John is saying here to the early church was for individuals to take this upon themselves only. But the group known as the community of believers of that time, that is what he is writing to. The, the community known as the church, that's why he says, the spirit that is in us, you, plural, we, it takes us all. Community. In a world that is so divided, we need to get back to the idea of community, togetherness, learning from one another, hearing the Spirit among us. I close with another one of our devotional readings uh, from this week that I think we need to know about and remember. It happens in Second Kings. It happens to my probably my, one of my favorite prophets. Uh, he and I have a lot of things in common.
The odds are not in their favor. And here, Elisha, he kept his calm. He knew he was beloved by God. He said, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And I think uh, the, the writer, the editor of 2 Kings probably didn't give us the full conversation. Because if I'm them, I'm going, uh, Elisha, what, what, what are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And it was in that community of time that they were able to hear the prayer that Elisha prayed. Open their eyes, Lord, so that they may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Now how cool would that be? How terrifying would that also be? And there is the truth of what John is picking up, whether he thought of 2 Kings, I do not know, but I thought of 2 Kings. Greater is he that is in us, and the power is around us. If we would open our eyes to the reality, we would have the power, the faith, and the courage to be the beloved of God, to live in community, and to be obedient to the word of God every single day. One of my prayers this morning, many of times over, was, Lord, open our eyes to see who you are. Open our eyes to see who he is. And what's interesting is not only did the servant's eyes get opened, the enemy came down to him, and Elisha prayed again and said, Lord, strike the army with blindness. And so they were blind. And in the irony of events, Elisha, the enemy of the army, they're looking for him, he says, you know, uh, in, in a weird kind of way. This isn't the road, and this is not the city. Here, the one we're looking for, he's not here. Here, I will show you. I follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And then he led them to Samaria. And then he gets away. And they open their eyes. And hear the plan of the Lord. I wonder, and sometimes we as Christians have become so cynical and critical because we have failed to pray. Open our eyes. I know there's a lot of trouble in this world. There's a lot of evil in this world. There's a lot of pain and suffering that doesn't make sense in our world. And if I look at just those things and I fail to open my eyes to, to see Jesus and his redemption factor, I can let that a stumbling block to being his beloved. And we must open our eyes to see the truth of Scripture. And even in a broken and evil world at times, Jesus is still there. 
We are so loved. The great is the power that is in us and the power that is in the world. We pray. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for what you are doing in us, among us, and through us. Lord, help us to open our eyes to see. Lord, help us to see the truth you have for us. Lord, may we not get too critical, may we not get cynical because of what is going on around us, that we miss your goodness and your grace. Lord, help us to love you and love others. Lord, may we realize how loved we are with you. And so, Lord, I ask that you would help us to see you more clearly this day, that we would uh, choose to let your words be uh, the words of truth and grace in all things. And so, Lord, I ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And then I'm going to change things up, and so uh, I apologize in advance, uh, but the um, the hymn that we have that I want us to sing is hymn number uh, six thirty three, and it is that hymn of "Open our eyes to see glimpses of truth you have for me." This needs to be our prayer, and so uh, I realize that's not uh, what you may have been thinking we would do. But that is what we'll do today. Um, those of you online, don't worry. We will get it there. And uh, we will be able to sing that together. So will you...